Pints and Pies podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Al and there's Danielle and this guy Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Let Howlin Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, down since Dan One-ish, Danielle Radford. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. And from a variety of podcasts across Max Fun, one third of the most famous brotherhood in podcasting, it's Travis Return of the Mac. McElroy, oh, welcome. thank you. Welcome. That's good. Here's the thing. I'm actually one half of three brothers. That's true. <laughs> I don't mean to correct your math there, but I am. I make up one half of the three Macroy brothers. I, you know what? My my math is so bad. Yeah. But you've worked it's, that up. It's fine. At one we point, you were an eighth, and a quarter, then a half, and soon you'll be one and a half. Yeah, it all. It's it's a whole. It's a sliding scale, uh, depending on how much we're contributing at any given time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, <laughs> you just take the denominators, right? You multiply yeah. U times Griffin. And then, Correct. It's it's uh, Pythagorean's theorem of brothers. Yeah, of course. We it's, all know it. Brother one uh, times brother two equals brother three square root <laughs> x, y, and z. As introduced on my three sons. Uh, exactly. Thank you. There you go. Uh, Travis, before we get into this week's show, I want to start with your experience with wrestling in general. Mm-hmm. How much did you watch? What are you aware of now? Like, walk us through that. Right. So I'm 35, right? So I was there for like what I would say was kind of the a big surge of like the WWF mm-hmm. era of like your your Bret the Hitman Hearts, your Jake the Snake Roberts, your Hulk's Hogan. I I was aware of all of them. Jake the Snake was my favorite because he had a pet. <laughs> he loved the hell out of that snake. He loved the hell out of that snake. I think it was him uh, versus uh, uh, the the barber. Why can't I remember the barber? The barber beefcake. Yes, thank you. Where the snake was killed in in the match, they pulled the snake out from under, and it, that it really, oh, that one got me. That one got me real hard. I saw WrestleMania that was in Huntington, West Virginia, when I was a child. I enjoyed that immensely. Then I fell off of it for a while. I'm I am now aware of it. Mostly through my connection to Griffin. Griffin is my is my professional wrestling lifeline. I also did like Greco Roman wrestling. I participated in it in like uh, middle school. I was on my school's wrestling team. Yeah, and I was very bad. Did you <laughs> did you go into it thinking it was going to be like WWF, like you'd get a cape and tights? Man, and I wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but mostly it seemed like a thing where I wouldn't have to run a lot. But surprise, surprise, the coach did make us run sprints, and I hated it. Boo. I don't know why we had to run sprints for wrestling, an event that happens in like a five foot wide circle. I was not running anywhere in wrestling, and yet we had to run every day. Seems like a trick to me. <laughs> yeah, you start on the ground, which is the least running position possible. Right? Thank you. And in fact, if you run, you lose. So like, we should have been practicing standing in one place. Or at least laying. Right? Thank you. <laughs> it's just nap time. All right, we've had our whole milk cartons. Yes, maybe that's why I lost so much. 
Yeah. Is I was too good at running away from violence and not good enough at standing my ground. Also, uh, I was very tall and skinny with a huge head like some kind of lollipop. And it was very easy to knock me over. They would just shove you down like a bully. And I was like an opposite of a weeble where yeah. I would wobble and I would fall down. <laughs> All the time. Sometimes yes. just if you were anywhere just by yourself, yeah. it would just, just happen. Just a stiff breeze and we And you can't stop it too. You know when you're starting to go over. Yeah. And sometimes you just let it happen, you know, and you just go with it. I saw somebody at a bicycle once stop in like a, not quite the crosswalk, but the little island sometimes mm. where there's a right turn lane. And mm-hmm. they stopped their bike and I think they had front brakes. Because they stopped, and the bike slowly, the rear end of it started to go over the front end, See? so slow. And the the person on the bike was like, "I'm like observing." And at a certain point, it was like, "Well, I'm going over. There's nothing I can do. I couldn't have possibly <laughs> stop this." See, that's why y'all need a butt like me. Mm. I'm. You got to get bottom heavy. Yeah, that's the truth. Well, I am Carry now. your weight closer to the ground. Were it yeah. me, I would. Ne- that bike would have never gone down. <laughs> that would have sunk into the earth. Uh. Travis, yes. Who are, are there people in wrestling today who you are aware of, even sort of tangentially? I'm just curious. I am like, aware of New Day. Okay, I enjoy the idea of them. I uh, though I believe he is retired now. I was aware of Gold Dust through Griffin being mm-hmm. afraid of Gold Dust. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, I, I I would say many wrestlers. If I saw them, I would be like, that is a wrestler. I might not know their name. Um, I'm, I look forward to, actually, I'm really looking forward to getting back into it when BB is old enough to appreciate the, like, stories and fun of it. Cause yeah. that is, that is what I remember as a kid was like really into like the pageantry and the showmanship of it. And like, I really liked the gim. I feel like, and listen, I get it. Cause I'm not as in, t- uh, in touch with it now as I was when I was like 10, but I feel like the the professional wrestling world is a little bit more down to earth now and doesn't really have the like I'm a barber who beats people up yeah and it's I'm not a guy with, like, it's not as career based now yeah like you don't like it felt like uh, it was a lot of people you couldn't tell which one was their actual job and which and which one was the side hustle it's like right okay you're a dentist but like you also wrestle on the weekends like which mm-hmm. one of these is your job job now yes. on the indies there is a lot of it's not so much again occupational but there's a lot of like way more gimmicks and a lot of the fun silly stuff that you love like there's one guy named gentleman Gen- jarvis that i think you would adore Ooh. and one of <laughs> he's just full of positivity just a real positive happy dude and the way he beats people is that he picks them up and cradles them softly to sleep until he can pin i've them. seen I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen videos of that, actually, and I enjoy that. Now, here's my question. Is there anybody in the circuit right now whose gimmick is, like, the hipster or the millennial who has, like, special moves like the avocado toast and that kind of thing? Does no, that that's for the taking. You can have that. There okay. is someone that yeah. I think you would like. Um, he, uh, uh, Orange Cassidy, who his gimmick is that he doesn't take his hands out of his pockets and he does everything what? really slowly and lazily. Um, but, everyone, <laughs> but everyone acts like oh, it's the goodness. most devastating move you've ever seen. But he's also incredibly athletic because when he gets knocked down, he can kip up with his hands in his pockets. That's deeply impressive. Yeah. I really, okay. I want a wrestling millennial now where the match doesn't start because they're on their phone the whole time. Right? Well, they're or on they their just phone stay the on whole... their phone their whole time and they're just like dodging without looking. Yes. Well, they're on their phone the whole time because they're booking one of their eight jobs. They're probably trying right. to see where they have to pick someone up in their Uber after the match. Uh, please welcome to the ring, Gig Economy. <laughs> I'm going to door dash you straight to hell. <laughs> 
I'm going to deliver the pain. <laughs> I just got a fiver assignment to beat your butt. <laughs> but please do leave a five-star review. It's really important. It really matters. Yeah. <laughs> if I drop really below four. It really makes a difference. Yeah, yeah then you, you guys don't know this, but yeah, if, if you go below four, then you can no longer use the Wrestle app. <laughs> yeah, I can't wrestle anymore. Please, please help. Oh, I would. that would be a fun gimmick if you had someone who, like, someone who doesn't want to fight calls Wrestle Uber. And someone, yes. <laughs> and someone, like, drives up into the ring in one of those little carts and comes in and takes the bumps for you and then you get the pin. It's a service called Pile Driver, but like with a Y. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And no E on the driver. No e. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Straight to R. <laughs> well, we all just became app billionaires. Yeah, there we did it. L- let's jump into into Glow. What what brought you into Glow as someone who's sort of like not really watching wrestling a lot and then Glow comes along. What what hooks you? Uh so for me, the day before I watched Glow season 1, I watched the documentary oh, yeah. that was on that's still on Netflix, which I highly recommend about the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, like the original thing. And it was so fascinating and also like harrowing to me because like they're talking about like you know that that the uh, like ring wasn't padded and like wasn't safe and like they had no idea what they were doing, so it was like inherently dangerous. And everything, but they also were like having it. It it just it's that kind of lightning in a bottle looking fun thing mm. where if you're trying to recreate the not knowing what they were doing aesthetic, it could very easily like tip over into so fakey fake that you like couldn't stand to watch it. But it, like they they were just having so much fun with a thing they did not know what they were like. It was that razor's edge of danger and also silly, but in a very sincere way. Mm. Yeah. So then the next day, I actually, I remember very distinctly, it, it was, uh, I don't know, some kind of holiday. I Apparently not that distinctly, but it was some kind of holiday. <laughs> I had friends over and like they had all left and it was like 11 p.m. And I was just enough drunk that I was like, I'll watch an episode of something before I go to bed. And this was also before uh, BB was born. Or she was young enough that it didn't matter. And I was like, okay, click. And I turned it on and I ended up watching like five episodes that night because I just could not stop watching it. And then the next day watched the rest of the season and finished it all. Like I could not stop watching it because it is, it's one of those shows, it I masterfully weaves so many different storylines together by the inherent nature of having so many characters that are important mm. that like, every episode like 18 big things happen like so often in tv shows there's like nothing that happens for the first if it's like a 10 episode season like very little happens in the first five but there's a promise of something big coming in like seven eight nine ten but with glow because there's so many characters they can have some big thing happen like every episode some big reveal and it is so very compelling for that reason yeah, I I agree. It's it's interesting the role that wrestling plays in it. It feels like as time goes by, season after season, the wrestling is the least important. Whereas the first they're kind yes. of learning to do it. Then how do you put on a show? And yeah. Then- we're doing a show. I'm a little behind on this season because um, I've been watching it with my boyfriend and we, it's one of those shows where it's like we have an unspoken pact that we don't get ahead or behind of each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, the first thing I noticed was like, there's not a lot of wrestling in my wrestling yeah. show anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's like, I, so I, as soon as I finished season three, I started watching season one again 
And what I've realized is if you look at the three seasons, season one is like almost all about like, like I would say 75% of it takes place like in the gym, in the ring, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then season two, it's like 50-50. And then season three, it's like 75-25 back the other way. Like, Set, like seasons three is so much more about like the behind the scenes production e aspect of it, yeah, and like the interpersonal stuff, and I think that also happens because in season three, it's the same show over and over and over again, and so right. like I I don't know if that was like on purpose or what, but like at that point it doesn't make sense to show. Except for, like, there's one episode, and this isn't, like, I don't think it's a spoiler, but it comes in, like, the first three No, I saw episodes. that one, yeah. Okay, yeah. Where they, like, switch roles around. Different yeah. people play different yeah. roles. That is such a wonderful payoff to having watched, like, two, two and a half seasons to then, like, here you go. That's, like, so fun to watch. And, like... I love a body swap more than anything yes. in the world. So when I was watching that, I was, like, like any way that you can bring me a thing where an actor has to pretend like they're another actor, and I'm so yes. in. Um, and especially, like... <clears throat> that moment where, because obviously the people that you think are going to switch are the people that are usually like, because they know the match so well. Um, so when you have, um, what's her name, Alison Bree's character, as Liberty Ruth, Bell, yeah. Li yes. Liberty Bell's, her finisher, that thing where she, she does the butt bump and then she does the salute, might be legitimately one of my favorite wrestling moves of all time. Mm -hmm. I pop so <laughs> fucking hard for that. And so when Allison B, I was like, is she going to do it? Was she going to do it? And when, so when she hit that, I literally was like, yes, like I was watching an actual wrestling match. Right? It was amazing. And that's, uh, that's one of the things, I, like, I just finished season one again last night, and like that final move that uh, Debbie Gilpin does, like, to finish that match, like, I legit feel like I am watching like you know a wrestling match in person but yeah and and what i love about that too when they do the switch is like it really shows this kind of different timeline especially going back and rewatching season 1 where if ruth had not come in as a heel yeah. if she had not been the like heel to debbie's uh hero face mm -hmm. then like she could have be easily been like a hero of glow. You know what I mean? Like it just shows this, like the only reason she's a heel in season one and two is like, because she comes in as like the home wrecker who's like Debbie's foil, you know? And like, I, it's, uh, I love it. And I keep calling her Debbie Gilpin. I don't think that's it. Debbie no, that's is her, the character's name. I and think, Gilpin is her. Yeah. That's her, her real name. Her last name. Yeah. 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 Okay. Betty Gilpin, I think. Yeah. Betty Gilpin. Up, Thank yeah. you. Okay. There it is. I knew I was saying it, but anyways, yeah. I think of them as their characters now. It's weird for me to see a, like Allison Brie just like out and about in the world. I'm like, oh, Ruth. Also, one thing I will say, and this isn't a big spoiler either, the titties are back this season, and I don't know how I feel about them. And that's yeah, all I will like, say. There, I noticed that. Uh, it's hard not to. But, like, <laughs> it seems like in this season, either they went to everybody or everybody came to them, and they were just like, hey, how's everyone feel about being naked at some point? Right. Yeah. Because, like, there's one episode we're like seven different characters. Yeah, so much. You yeah. either see a butt or you see some titties. Yeah. Right. And on the one hand, one of the things I notice is it's not inherently like sexualized. Like they're not doing camera shots that are like, how salacious. So yeah. it's almost like a normalization of like a shirtless, like female presenting person in the same way there would be like a shirtless male presenting person, which is like cool. 
but also on the other hand, it's also a lot. It of was it. so much. Like, uh, you know, because the first episode of the first season, you see Allison Bree's titties, and the first thing I said was, "Well, that's how they sold the show." I guess a part of it for me. Also, I agree with Travis the idea that it's not sexualized, but I also know that it's written by and produced by and created by women, which for me, I guess, makes it a little bit like, hey, if they're deciding that this is something that they want to do and everybody is cool with it, then I'm fine. I don't feel like it's being put on as a show for people who like titties. Oh, not at all. I don't. But maybe I, it is. I, I don't know. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is weird. Is it's like episode four. Yeah. It's like wall to wall. Yes. Like it's a lot of yeah. There's it's a, a lot, lot of nip nup. It's a lot. It, yeah. It wasn't. I was watching. I was like, what? And new titties. Titties we hadn't seen before. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. titties get a chance. <laughs> yeah. So it was. And I and and I see what you're saying, Hal. But it's also like you know, it's the same team that brought us Orange Is the New Black. And in fact, one of these days, I, I was planning on writing a fucking think piece about how they're basically the same show. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's and that not in a bad way, but they did really lean on that sexy women in prison trope a lot. And so while I get what you're saying, it's also there's a little bit of playing into the idea that when you get a bunch of women together in one space, it's going to be sexy. Yeah. But I do appreciate that they do also like there are lesbian relationships that are real mm-hmm. relationships and mm-hmm. those aren't for male gays. Those well, are that's because, a, you know, that's the other thing I realized, like watching season three, right, is season one. There is some like undercurrent social stuff like a a thousand percent right it's there when you get to season three they're just like here it is this is what we're dealing with folks this is the shit and it's like by this point like they know they've got you hooked and they know they they've got you interested and they're dealing with like homophobia and they're dealing with like relationships they're dealing with like parenthood they're man uh uh mark uh i'm so bad with names why can't mark maron like you know yeah, one of the most famous podcasters, uh, Mark Maron, <laughs> like his character goes some fucking places, and like the the stuff with R- Ruth, like trying to figure out her place, not just in the show but like in life. Yeah, and like like Debbie, shit, man, yeah. she's got some stuff in this season. She's got a lot like, of stuff. I've already gotten to some of the stuff, um, yeah. which is it's 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 a lot. I'm trying not to be too spoiler heavy, but see, and that's the trick that they. It's the same trick they played with Orange Is the New Black, which is great, is that they hook you in with this one premise where you follow, you know, this one or two characters, and then they trick you into suddenly caring about social issues and caring about the marginalized yeah. voices on the cast. Haha, we tricked you. We got you to watch our titty wrestling show. <laughs> I do, and now you learn something. <laughs> there are some moments with Arthi uh, that are just like heartbreaking for me. Right, she she goes through an arc in this one. Um, there's a dude whose name is escaping me, the character name, but like he puts on a drag show that is like a recurring thing throughout the season. That's really cool and goes yes. to places. And Sheila, man, Sheila, this is a great season for Sheila. Yeah. yeah, like she has some big moments. One of which like made me weep yeah like watching it and like that's another thing i really loved about this season is ruth ruth is your main character in season one right and then in season two there's there's a lot like she still i would say is like our our main focus but everybody else has a lot going on they expand everybody else and then by season three it's i think it's still her show but like it's pretty much an even, like, shared playing space at that point. Yeah, way more of an ensemble. Yeah. Right. My one thing, which I lo- and I, lo- I did love this season, I, I, I 
sort of approach this one like, all right, I'm going to watch a little bit. I knew we were having this conversation, so I wanted to well, – I'll, like, I'll watch as much as I can, and then I would sit down to watch it, and I would burn through six episodes. So I mm-hmm. got through it really fast. I did find, without being spoiler, that when you deal with a huge ensemble like this, that you have these these reveal moments where something's going on with a character that you feel like this is an important part of their character. This is either a struggle they're having or something they're happy about that needs to be picked up a lot more. Hmm. And and then it, it's introduced early in the season. Then I, I wish it had been revisited later in the season. It makes me want season four, obviously. They're, mm-hmm. they, they create they don't they don't they haven't created any of these seasons of television like, well, we'll we'll never get another season. Yeah. But it's that that's the one thing with the ensembles like I'm trying to track all these storylines and one character may have three different things and mm. only one of them gets picked up on, but I want the other two so badly. Yeah. And that's that's an embarrassment. I mean, that is maybe one of the best problems to have from a TV standpoint because it's well, not like and that character disappears. I've I've also realized going back and rewatching too, like over the three seasons, like everybody gets pretty big deals except the two women who play the beatdown biddies yes. and Vicky the Viking. Like we know like nothing about them. This is true. Right? Like That's true. everybody else has gotten some kind of storyline or some kind of like something. And I still I can't remember their names. Yeah, and they're well, and then they're played for comedy. I am very much looking forward to because those are they're friends of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Um mm-hmm. I assume that in season four we're gonna get some of them because Vicky the Viking especially is underserved. Like sometimes yes. I forget she's there. Right. And I would like them to talk about yeah. that. Like she's just Because here's the shots. thing. They say, like in the first like two episodes, you find out she's an Olympic medalist. Yeah. And and now she's doing women's wrestling in Las Vegas. Hello. I would like to know everything about that, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a rich uh Kind of landscape. I also like. I don't. I don't remember in watching the first and second seasons that it really felt like it, when you set something in 1984 or 85, and I think this mm-hmm. one's in 86. Mm-hmm. Season three yes. is 86. It's very easy to lean on, like we're in the 80s. Here are all these 80 things. 80s right. things. I do think they handle that really well to put you back in that period of time without hitting you over the head with it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, like, I can't figure out this newfangled remote control. Oh, I sure do love these red M&Ms. I hope they never get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think they use it to great effect, right? Like, they, they like, what's really interesting, like, especially in season three, there will be, like, social issue kind of things that they'll talk about in such a way that is, like, kind of, and I think what they're going for, jarring, mm-hmm. where you're watching and you're like, oh yeah, this is like 30 years ago. Yeah. And like, but still applicable to what's going on now, right? Like that that's what's so interesting. And they, like in season one, you know, they deal with uh, like stereotyping and like racial prejudice and like, oh, you're this character and you'll do this because this is how you look. And it's like, ooh, ah, that's weird to just hear you say it Mm -hmm. out loud so blatantly especially knowing that that's like how it really was yeah that's one of the things that i really like about this show overall right is that things like that will happen and they don't gloss over it but they also don't so like bash is the one who says that in season one of like well when people first look at you this is what you they see so that's the kind of character you'll play and he's not 
necessarily demonized. Like, I think we're supposed to like Bash, right? But yeah. we also know that he's, like, naive and at times, like, just straight up dumb and inexperienced and deeply in denial about who he really is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, like, all this stuff, but also will say some, like, shitty offensive things. That yeah. back then wouldn't have been, you know. Well, and we spoke with, um, we spoke with the dude that Bash is based on, who now has mm -hmm. another promotion, which is basically it, it's very glow esque, and they don't run away from it or hide from it, um, which is nice. Some of them even have like the names of glow women previously, mm. um, and he he even said he was like, yeah, that's not like all of of what of how it went, obviously, but it's a lot of how it went. And that's just, that was the business at the time. If you look at, you know, WWE and you look at the characters, there's this thing I make everyone watch because it's the worst thing in the world and I think it's hilarious, where there's this manager named Slick and for, they did this, um, like, a, they were doing wrestling albums where, like, all the wrestlers would have songs mm -hmm. and his song was called Jive Soul Bro and it opens with him just gnawing on fried chicken. Just like mm. eating out of the hugest bucket, and just like it's sloppy. They turn up the sound like I say, like it's ASMR, oh. and it's just him. Like I can't even eat my yard bird in peace. And then at the end of the video, you find out that he didn't pay for the chicken. Womp womp womp. Um, but that's just how it was back then, and it's so weird to go back and watch it and be like, oh, everyone was just this is what you had to do if you wanted to be on TV. Ooh, mm. yeah. Yeah, they were. That's they. They made their. I mean, yeah. WWF slick. Then, then he manages one man gang who becomes Akeem the African Dream. Yeah. Which oh, is... that is another thing. Without doing mm -hmm. spoilers again, they introduce though don't uh, actually execute, but introduce the idea of like manager characters mm -hmm. in Glow. That seems to be like a a tease for what could change in season four. But like, this is the thing that's always okay. Clearly, I love Glow. I have given it a glowing review. Here's the thing that kind of sticks in my craw a little bit, is that I feel like a lot of the show is sold on also, do you like wrestling? Here's a show about wrestling. Because like some of the stuff I like the most is like watching them do the matches and watching like the promo bits they'll film and like the character stuff that they do. Yeah. I think in season two, there's like a full like kind of episode of like, this is what the show would look like. That right? was my yeah. favorite episode. I was so right. happy that we got to see like That's an actual great. episode of the show. Right. And it's like, oh yeah, I very rarely does this happen. I love the show within a show as much as, if not more than, I love the show. Right. It's which, like with uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, when you actually get to see the sketches in the show, you're like, this isn't, ooh. Yeah, that's true of uh, the only other show that is, even comes close, and it has a lot of its own problems with 30 Rock. They don't try to make the sketches good. Yes. Like, they make it a point of, like, these are dumb, <laughs> and that, in a way, kind of works for me. Yeah. Um, But I, I, I have watched it going, I like the show. I like watching them do the show. But it's always going to be kind of a tease because, like, they're not making the show. They're making a show about making the show. Um, yeah. You yeah. get some in season uh, three. Like we said, the episode where they do the switch, uh, they do, like, a Christmas thing that's pretty fun. Yeah. Well, um, and, and they take for granted, which is smart, th that we've already seen that show because that was the show that was, like, their last show. Right. Um, so they know that we've already we already know what the show is because they hit all the same beats. The wedding, Zoya on the zip line, like they hit yes. all of those beats. So we've yeah. seen it before. 
Yeah, and they and they'll say it like offhandedly, like, and okay, blah 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 blah, and then you go for the bouquet, blah, blah, and like, okay, we know what you're talking about. My hope is, it seems to me that they have set up at the end of season three a bit of return to form in season four. Um, though once again, I no spoilers, but the whereas season two ended and it was like super clear, this is what's happening in season three, right? Yeah. We we know. Kind of, even though there's some question marks, we know where they're going. They know what they're doing. We know, like, where everybody stands right now. And season three to season four, there is a lot more, like, not necessarily cliffhangers, but, like, completely unanswered questions. Like, what's going to happen with this character? Is this person even going to be there? Are they still working together? What's going to happen here? Um, that, That is very interesting to me. But also, I would say season three was the least kind of self-contained hmm. of the three seasons so far. Yeah, I agree. And I, I did like the ambiguity. They do a fantastic job of taking things where you where you have sort of a presupposed notion of how things will go because it's gone the same in almost every other television show that's exhibited that kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. turn it on its ear or make a left turn. And, and that really draws you in and it adds a ton of dimension to 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 the community of this show and the cast of this show. It's really, really fantastic. And that's the thing, man. If you had asked me season one, wh- who do you think is going to be, like, the most compelling characters to you by season three, I never would have said, like, Rhonda and Justine. Like, those are the two. Whenever Justine comes on the show, I'm so excited every yeah. episode she's in. Yeah. I, I love that character. I love her with, uh, with uh, Mark Marin. Like, she is very interesting to me. Rhonda is so much more than she appears. She is very interesting to me. Like, Yolanda, when they first introduced Yolanda in season two, I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this person. By season three, I love Yolanda. <laughs> like, she's yeah. great. I love her so much. Yeah. Yeah, you she really- She is so interesting to me, and I like, I love, she, she, all of these, all of the other women, especially in like one, season one and two, seem to have this quality, even the like jaded ones, of a little bit naive, right? Mm-hmm. Except Yolanda comes in, she's like, no, I know exactly what the fuck this is. Yep. Like, I think oh. for me, the, the moment I fell in love with her, and this is going to be weird considering how much I've talked about, like, kind of sometimes the weirdness of titties. Um, it was the strip club scene was when I fell in love with her because she's just like, yeah, man, everybody comes in here and I dance and they hang out and we're all chill. Um, and just like how much she owned it right then. Mm-hmm. And like she owned her power and she owned everything. I was like, I'm really going to like this chick. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and also I get a lot more Keith. Keith is back in the season. Yeah. Love Keith. Love Keith. Love Keith. Um, they have, uh, Keith and Cherry have a big story arc. Um, and yeah, man, I, I also think, uh, to keep talking about season three specifically, I think they really use Vegas as a set piece and as a, like, foil for the characters very well. It's a great plot motivator for sure. Right, because we have stuff like, you know, we have, like, some gambling stuff that happens. We have them, like, playing against other producers in the, in the casino, playing uh, scenes of like other shows and how that affects the casino. Uh, talking, they, they have a whole episode at like Red Rock Canyon, I think. Mm-hmm. Like they like, they use it as a set piece very well. 
Um, it, it is really we, distracting when I see places I know, though, where I'm like, that's the Virgil. Yes. <laughs> that is the other thing. I'm too it's LA very, for my... It's very clear that they couldn't film too much around Las Vegas yeah. because of how much it is now updated. Yeah. Right? So it, that is the only thing that everybody... Is we never get... Like a big shot of like a bunch of like yeah. lit up marquees and a bunch of like lights and they stuff. They can basically only yeah. go to like old like old Vegas, like where mm-hmm. and even like then, Fremont, yeah, yeah, and, and even then on Fremont because they have so many of those old signs up, you have to be really careful about where you would shoot there too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, Travis, do you have any final thoughts about Glow you want to share? Anything? Uh, yeah, you know, they've hit that point that happens in, like, I would say any show, right? Where the third season, uh, you get, it starts to feel weird. Not necessarily bad. I think the third season is is a good season of television that is very interesting and goes some places and deals with some stuff. Um, but, like, you know, you hit that thing like, okay, but what are you going to do now that you don't really get when you're, like, in first season and second season? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it's one of those things where it, the, the streaming nature of so much television these days uh, allows for binging. But then also, like you were saying, you know, you finish the show and you're like, oh, I wish there was more of it, right? If this was, you know, if the, if it was coming out every week, right, and this was like a 12-week show, there's less time between the last episode and the next season, yeah. right? Because you can be like film. whereas this comes out, you watch it all in two days, and you're like, I guess I should wait a year for more of it. Um, and it gives people a lot of time to think about it and critique it and like overanalyze it and all of that. So I, it, it does make me wonder, like, how long a life does glow continue to have are we are we looking at like there i hope there's going to be a fourth season will there be a fifth season will there be an eighth season like my bet is five seasons tops yeah just because like the cast is so big and not just in size but like in name right that they're gonna want to go do other things uh the woman who's playing melrose is on the boys which when she showed up, I was instantly excited because I love that actor. Um, um, she's good in both shows, and I'm sure she's good in other things. I just haven't seen them yet. Um, <laughs> but like, it it is one of those things where like I finished it and I was like, huh. For the first time since season one and season two, now season three. When season three ended, I was like, I don't know how I feel. I don't know how I feel about these characters. I don't. I don't know where how I see how I feel about where I see the show going for season four, what's happening. Um, and that's very interesting to me. I'm very much looking forward to season four, which I I would assume is at least a year away, which right now feels like forever. Yeah, yeah. it really does. Uh, well, when season four comes out, I hope you will come back and discuss it with us. Of course. And by then, I'll have forgotten all my hot takes that I've just said. Hot takes. I'll say them all again. Repeat them all. You'll repeat them all. What is old is new. Uh, And in addition to being able to purchase your New York Times bestselling second graphic novel, uh, The Adventure Zone, Murder on the Rockport Limited, where should people be going to to check you out? I know you're going on the road for a little bit. Uh, Yeah. Drop um, Spill the Tea. um, I am going. I'll be at Dragon Con uh, next weekend. Yes. 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 Yes, that's correct. Um, you can find that schedule at travismacroy.com. This Saturday, 
the 24th, yes, I am going to be in Bridgeport, West Virginia, uh, doing a charity event uh, to help raise money for Extra Life for Kids. Uh, I'm filling time while I look up the details so I can tell everybody all about it. It is, I'm going to be at the Four Horsemen Comics and Gaming in Bridgeport, West Virginia, uh, doing, my dad and I are doing a Q&A panel at 11 a.m. and then a signing at 12.30. The signing is $20 donation, uh, which goes to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and uh, to West Virginia Children's Hospital, I believe. And uh, it's all set up through Extra Life for Kids. Uh, Come hang out with us at Four Horsemen Comics uh, the 24th. Uh, and then we also have a bunch of other stuff coming up. You can find it all at McElroy.family or at TravisMcElroy.com. Travis, thank you so much for coming on the show. You know I love you personally and professionally. Aww. And uh, it's I, I'm so excited we had you on. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. I love talking about uh, Glow. I'll talk about it all day, every day. Well, we'll talk about it more uh, next weekend when we see one another. We'll have a spoiler-filled discussion. It'll be great. Huzzah! Huzzah! If you have any thoughts on what we've discussed so far, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram via the links in our show notes. So you will find some McElroy links in there specific to Travis, your middleest brother. We'll be back after this break with the biggest news from the week in wrestling. That's up NXT on Tights and Fights. Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like Why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about bugs. No, we don't. Nope. <laughs> Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager and I was two. Butts, 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 butts. Back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin. I'm joined today by Daniel Radford and Lindsay Kelk. This week we want to give one corner of the wrestling world some extra attention. This is our main event. Whoa! Uh, before we get to what's on the script, breaking news. Uh, this just in from the Athletic. The XFL has their team names. That's what I was going to do. All right, perfect. I'm going to walk us through the league. We've got the can DC. I re- can I read a couple of the descriptions? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll give you the name. Do you want to? Yeah, you give me the name and I'll do the. I literally All had right. it up because that's what I wanted to talk about today. The DC Defenders. On the shoulders of giants, they stand tall, unconquerable, unyielding, marching ever forward, a force united, one quest, one purpose, one resolve, seeking glory through grit, victory through <laughs> valor, the DC Defenders taking their stand. Are they all that fucking long? I already hate this. 
why does it sound like the lyrics to the opening <laughs> yeah. tune of an 80s cartoon? Like a Saturday <laughs> morning me, cartoon. Give me like the best the Yeah, best I'll give sentence. you the, I'll, I'll chunk them All in. Right. The Dallas Renegades. Deep in the heart of Texas beats a different kind of pulse. This is their home on the range, the Dallas Renegades. I'll just do the first line and the yeah. last line because they're all ridiculous. Julian, can you put the Pokemon theme <laughs> music behind it? It just feels right. The Houston Roughnecks. Resolute, rippling with heat, railing against fatigue. These are the scratching, grinding, never-bending few, the Houston Rednecks. Why are they fatigued? Why are they fatigued? The Los Angeles Wildcats meow. <laughs> in the land of bright lights, far from the flash and the fame, this is prime time meets primal instinct. This is showtime with a snarl. Par this is our the time flash to and roll. the fame? Hold the fuck up. <laughs> it's in Los Angeles, dumbasses. Far evil- from the fame. What does it take place in Chatsworth? God. <laughs> written by Russian bots. Yeah. That's my genuine question. Yeah, it's outside of West Covina. Deep in Hawthorne. <laughs> uh, the New York Guardians. Centuries carved out of stone. Watchdogs over the metropolis. They know fear because they feed off of it. They are your first line of defense and there is no need for a second. The New York Guardians. And half of them walked on at Ball State. <laughs> St. Louis Battlehawks. Winged warriors preparing for flight, preparing for fight. Their mandate, win at all costs. Seattle Dragons. (laughs) Okay, I'm reading all of this one. You have to give me this. Oh, Lord. Rising from the turbulent sea, beneath the darkening skies of their weather-hardened home, relentless, ruthless, ravenous, not of mythology, but of muscle and might, not of folklore, but of football. This is your darkest fantasy in cleats, the Seattle Dragons. Not of folklore. <laughs> what the fuck? Although I will give them Seattle because I've chosen to believe they're named after Daniel Bryan yes. from when he was American Dragon. <laughs> yep. So, like, let's give them that. Although that's ridiculous. All right, one ridiculous. more. Tampa Bay Vipers. In the shadows they wait. Demons born in darkness. They slither and stalk their competition, luring all who challenge them into the jaws of defeat. And again, oh, ready, and th- then they say the name, and, and this one gets one after it, um, oh. which is nice. A couple of them do. So um, remember that those are all at least twice as long as what I've read and twice as amazing. Everything I read, God. there's just more of it. And if you go online, there is a nice lady who reads all of them with like these amazing motion graphics and like this <laughs> package. It's so fucking good. It's so upsetting. I, I mean, at least that Florida one does sound like an accurate description of like college football players. Yeah, I, I mean, I already ugh. hate this league. I love it. I hate it. I love it. I refuse. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse. All right, let's get into it. For the next, god damn it, for over five years, NXT has been WWE's developmental arm that was meant to get new stars ready for the needs of WWE TV. But it's now known for being a compelling program in its own right, producing what many would consider better weekly programming and matches. And now, like so many of its stars, NXT has been called up to live TV. In September, it will air Wednesday nights on the USA Network for two hours. And just like so many of its stars, everyone is worried about what Vince McMahon is going to do with them now that the brand has his full attention. Oh, good Lord. This is like a bunch of miniature people who live in a giant's home and they have like the perfect society and then one day Mm -hmm. the giant looks over his shoulder and goes me live there and then stomps (laughs) them all out stomps them all out these are my thoughts my thoughts are that nxt deserves to be its own brand an actual brand that competes 
I still I worry because like I do want them to still build this as hey this is this is for people who this is developmental this is the indie brand of WWE it's not indie but if they still brand it that way I'm fine with it mm. what worries me is yeah now that it's live it's not going to be Triple H's baby anymore it's going to be fucking done and fucking Vince's thing and that's what I worry about I applaud the decision to stay in full sale um, because that way I think that they can still say like hey like remember this is where the best in the world come to train to be the better best in the world or whatever under any other circumstances if it was if I knew it was just going to be trips taking over and like there wasn't going to be a lot of interference I'm super down with this and this sounds amazing I'm not going to I'm going to hope that Vince isn't going to put his dick all over it, but I think because of the timing of AEW, his dick is just going to be smeared all over the glass. What do you think, Lindsay? That's the most horrifying image I've ever <laughs> been treated to in my entire life. I'm a writer. Uh, I just went through the XFL <laughs> team names. Um, same, I'm in a very similar boat to Danielle. I love NXT, the one show that I will genuinely, genuinely make time for every week, even if I don't have time for everything else. But I'm choosing to remain optimistic. We've got no reason. I, I don't want to look for problems that don't exist yet. Yes. I I'm love cautiously the show. optimistic. I think everyone there is super talented. I think there is an argument to say Vince might not be as involved as we think. He's definitely stepping back from TV. As far as we, to the best of our knowledge, he's appointed Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman to look after Raw and SmackDown because, you know, he's busy with the Los Angeles Wildcats. This is what he's I'm hoping. He's got a lot going on. Yeah. Like, I really so hope I, that he is so, like, obsessed with the XFL that he'll just leave the things that I love alone. Exactly. And obviously this is a knee-jerk reaction to AEW. No one's disputing that. But um, I genuinely just want to... I don't want to go into it looking for problems because if we go into it looking for problems, we will find problems. Like, I want to go into this happy that wrestlers I love are getting more exposure, that hopefully everyone's making more money, that yeah, and people are going to get to share this awesome version of wrestling that I love. And fucking bring back, it, you know, it's two hours. They have they have enough, they have a roster, but they do have people who are not quite ready to be like center stage, like give them yes, a week or whatever. So great. Fucking do like they just did and bring bring down people like fucking Breeze and other people who 100% have... 100% agree. Who, yeah, yeah, who have not been able to like really hit on, on here, but we're killing it in NXT. Bring them back. Bring yeah. Bailey back to NXT. Yeah. Plus, I mean, how often do you watch NXT and think like, oh, my God, how long is it since I saw Dream in a match on NXT? They can easily do two hours. They have to sideline major players for weeks at a time as it stands right now. I don't think the two hour thing is a problem at all. I think it being, well, I don't know, maybe it being live will test its storytelling capacities, but they also yeah. have a little bit of time to get ahead of the game on that. Um, I I am excited. I am cautiously optimistic, but I am very much hoping for the best. More good wrestling. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yay. I've been hurt too many times <laughs> by WWE in in my 42 years on this planet to go into it thinking they're going to do anything but but ruin this. I would How? love I would How? love to be I want to be positive about it, Lindsay. I do. I really do. But I like, love NXT. Assuming it's going to be shitty, like then you're just like making yourself miserable. I, I just, I, I'm not making myself miserable. I, you know what? I'm resigned to it. It's just a silent resignation at this point. That makes me so sad. I just don't know. I, I liked the thing I liked about NXT is is that it was a place where people had room to experiment 
when you go to two hours live television, and not only are you going to two hours live television, but you're being brought up to compete specifically with AEW. Oh, yeah, this is yeah, some petty shit. Of course, of course. Petty shit. For that reason, there's, you don't get to experiment. You have to be no, better than them. That's, they this already is Vince. have so much more that AEW doesn't. Like, in their defense, like, and I, I, again, agree with Danielle. This is petty, 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 petty. Mm-hmm. But they have all these characters that are already honed and practiced. And, yes, the people at home might not know them, but you're going out with a Velveteen Dream. You're going out with an Undisputed Era. You're going out with Johnny Gargano. You're going mm-hmm. out with a Shayna Baszler. It's like, AEW is still figuring out who all their characters are. And making them work as a roster. Because even if they're super successful wrestlers in the independent sphere, they don't necessarily all have the chemistry and the knowledge to work together the way NXT does. You know, I feel like they've got such an advantage from that perspective that gives me so much hope and faith that this can work. I just think that Hal needs to be more like the New York Guardians. A beast evolves, turns loose in a new kind of jungle. Cut off her mic. Turn it off. I can't hear any more about those shit-ass fucking football teams. All right, so we've talked about AEW's weekly television show before this news broke. And we were all excited to watch it, mm-hmm. I think. It was like, oh, we're going to watch the show. Now what do you do? Which I one watch do you both. watch? Which one do you watch live? Which one do you DVR? Well, I don't uh, have cable, ooh. so both of them are getting watched on streaming. You're going to watch them the same way. If you, yeah. If you, so it doesn't really matter. I'm a cord cutter, baby, millennial. I, pew, I am pew, pew. too. I am too, but it's all, <laughs> I can still watch it live. I can watch it live yeah. or, or watch it if recorded. The, like, if I had the ability to watch it live, I would watch AEW live because they need it more. And then I would watch NXT the next day on Hulu. Yeah, mm. same. And I don't think that will hurt NXT. I think that's nope. probably what they're going to expect. I think they're going to expect to pick up a heavy streaming audience because they currently have a streaming audience. Um, but yeah, I will watch NXT um, second, AEW first, because I'm just more curious about that right now. Vince loves nostalgia and he loves to look back. They had to have, we all had an idea. We were all like, oh, what's NXT going to do now that this is going up against it? We know that this is what, like, Vince, of course he's going to go, oh, Wednesday Night Wars. Like, of course that was what he was always going to do. It just depended on how he was going to do it. This is not something that I think blindsided anyone because literally every reaction that I've ever, that I've heard to this is everyone going, Fucking Vince. And not even in a, like, fucking Vince, but yeah, like, fucking Vince. Of course he is. <laughs> sure. This is what he does. Like, he he loves going back and, and repeating stuff, and he loves hitting on nostalgia. Um, so, yeah, welcome to the Wednesday Night Wars, although it's not, like, really a war because no one hates each other except, like, Vince maybe hates well, them. If Vince, Vince hates everyone. I'm hopeful, but I'm not optimistic. So I will say, yeah, to, to, to Lindsay's point, um, in therapy, which everyone gets some, it's great. If nothing else, it's just someone who has to listen to you for an hour. So um, I talk a lot, We, uh, me and my therapist talk a lot about mindfulness mm-hmm. and um, the idea that worrying that something might happen in our hearts, we go like, well, I'll prepare myself. Like maybe my boyfriend will cheat on me. Maybe I, you know, maybe I'll get fired from my job. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And we think that if we like prepare for the eventuality of it, then it won't sting as bad. And what therapy has taught me is that no matter what, there have been studies, it will still hurt just as bad. So there's no, there's no reason not to go in hopeful because even if it sucks, you're still going to, it's going to be like you didn't prepare at all. I'm not, I don't, not like trying to brace myself for it. <laughs> no. Let's be clear. Okay. I'm not sitting there going, well, this is the worst thing that's going to happen. So as long as I'm ready for it, when it happens, I can, I can protect myself. I'm just used to them disappointing me. I will not be surprised if it's disappointing. I sure hope it's not. 
I like everybody on it. I do not like Vince McMahon as the controlling uh, creative force behind it or Kevin Dunn. I, I do like what Triple H has done with a brand of his own. It made me excited for the day that Vince decides to step yeah. aside I'm kind and of, Triple H gets to take those reins. I'm and then, ki- yeah, you know, part of knows? me really genuinely hopes, like really honestly genuinely hopes that this is a thing where Vince is like, you know what, I'm going to be off doing XFL. I'm going to leave this to you, Trips, because you have done such a good job with this, because eventually someone has to succeed Vince. And, like, he is not, he's going to want that brand to go on for his grandkids, his grandsons, and his granddaughters. Yep. And so maybe this will be a thing for he's like, you know what? You've been doing a great job. Let's see how you do with this. Yeah, this is not a punishment. This is not a demotion. This is excellent news for everyone involved. Like, if, you, if you're if you one of the guys down at NXT, no one's going, like, oh, no, we're going to be live on network TV for two hours a week? God sure. damn it. You know, like, I I just really want to be able to celebrate this and, and feel happy about it. Do and it. hopefully they have the developmental figured out. They have so many people down there now. Like, they're still doing their developmental training. They've still got all the incredible trainers at the center. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll just have to work out how they're going to practice that and everything they've been doing up till now and make it mesh with being on a TV, a bigger audience. We shall see. That does it for Tights and Fights. I'm going to leave it on a positive note. Isn't that nice? Yeah, that's that nice. That does it for Tights and Fights. We are podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. This week, your hosts were Lindsay Kelk, Danielle Radford, along with me, Hal Lublin. I will be at Dragon Con next weekend, Labor Day weekend. I have shows Friday night. I have panels all day Sunday, including a live We Got This uh, with, of course, Mark Gagliardi and our special guest, Janet Varney. We're going to be discussing the best land at Disneyland. We're going to settle it once and for all, so all of you stop fighting about it. So what days are those? That will be uh, Friday uh, the, the 30th, 30th 31st, yeah. uh, first and second. Perfect. I'll be signing at the Walk of Fame all day Saturday, pretty much, and Yay. doing panels and shows all day Sunday and Friday evening. Uh, come say hi. Come uh, talk about wrestling with me. Happy to chat with you. Come check out the performances. They're going to be a lot of fun. I will post more info at Hal Lublin. That is on Twitter and on Instagram. I will try to be good about Instagramming it. I'm generally not an Instagrammer. Sorry. I know. I'm trying to get better at it. Lindsay? I, I love Instagram. Um, also, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a podcast you can listen to that's all about beauty, uh, and that's called Full Coverage, so come and check us out. And also books. I write books, and they're available in stores. There is one out now called I Heart Hawaii, and I have a children's book called Cinders and Sparks, and they're very funny. Please buy them. I'd like you to. Thank you're, you. You're getting so good at that. <laughs> I'm getting better for you. I'm doing it for you, Thank so you, you don't know. have to. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, for me, yeah, just keep uh, keep on watching those honest trailers. We just did the trailer for 500 Days of Summer, and who boy, I fucking hate that movie. Um, <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. So yeah, we did the honest trailer for 500 Days of Summer, and then we've got the honest trailer commentaries. Um, wish us luck with the Emmys. Um, we will probably. It's gonna be um, JVN. That's just fingers crossed. It's either us or JVN. It'll be JVN. Um, but I got my dress and I got a Yay. necklace and I know what makeup I'm doing because I'm going to the Creative Arts Emmys and that's weird. Nice. It's weird. Our producer is the Sultan of Smash, Julian Burrell. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Links to all of those are in our show notes. If you love what we do, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. 
Thank you especially to all the Maximum Fun members who have a portion of their monthly recurring contribution. Keep the lights on when we're in here recording. You make this show possible. We'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported